You know, I thought about this a lot because I have a, um, a pretty big creative spirit in me. And uh, ostensibly, uh, my father was an entrepreneur. He, my father just finished a few years of high school, uh, had a day job as a sheet metal worker, and at night he began to build his mink business. And the mink business uh, eventually grew to about 10,000 mink we would pelt per year. So it was a lot of risk, a lot of work, and I really related to it. And increasingly, I see innovation and entrepreneurship as an expression of creativity. Uh, I don't make a distinction so much between art, people who are entrepreneurs and innovators who choose to become artists and express that, that, that uh, passion through art um, any more than I differentiate uh, those types of people who want to start businesses. I believe that both of those uh, pursuits are an expression of a desire to create, to build something in, in life. And I believe what, the, what is captivating to me in my writing and in my creative work, and now in my day job and the work that I do as a volunteer with the Commons, or with a group I've helped create called the Enlightened Jesters, is really trying to find that intersection between the creative arts and startups and technology you know, it's a really, it's kind of a paradox, but when I went to school at UW-Madison, I never, never stepped into the College of Business, ever, not once. And I couldn't relate to business people, although my dad was a business person. It's so odd, I never thought of my dad as a, a businessman. He was a mink farmer. And, uh, and I was a bit of an alternative, in the alternative a lifestyle movement kind of guy, so I was in with a lot of creative people studying communication. but. Uh, the last 17 years at Marquette, I've worked with a lot of alums, mostly alums and parents in business, doing startups. I helped the early phases of our early stage investor network, our real estate center, and I began to hang out with a lot of business people, and I began to learn their language and learn their passions, and, you know, I love hearing people's stories. So, uh, as a, a fundraiser at Marquette, I mean, I will spend hours with people asking them questions about what they love. And you know, I would say there are two things for sure that these people love. They love their family, they love their work. And I think when I talk with artists, most of them love their family, many of them do, they love their work. And they will talk endlessly about their work. I, uh, in fact, I've probably been on about 400 plant tours or business tours because I would say to them, you know, I'm visual, and I said, well, I really like to, you know, for me to know you, I have to see what you've done. I have to see what you've created and how it is. And it's, it's somewhat paradoxical that I, am, I, am, I have not uh, done a startup, uh, but I'm pretty freaking fluent in the language of startups, businesses, optimization, all that sort of stuff. And I guess I got my MBA by the seat of my pants. Same as my, my writing background, I just taught myself. Uh, so I don't know what am I, I don't know what I am. I'm just uh, Charles. <laughs> well, I was lucky and blessed. All of my fundraising mentors have been Jews. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Joyce Green, Sam Knapperstack, Hank Goldstein, you know, if you're gonna learn fundraising, who's gonna teach you fundraising but the Jews? I mean, they sort of invented fundraising. 
In fact, Joyce Green said, you know, you're so nice, you must be Jewish. And I said, you know, Joyce, I want to be Jewish. She said, well, I can make you a Jew. And I said, I want to be a Jew. She said, well, I've just made you one. And I said, what did you do? She said, I've made you an honorary member of the tribe of Judah. Congratulations. Let's go get some matzo ball soup. So meeting Hank, uh, who is just an incredible progressive Jew running a consulting, fundraising consulting business. So all of our clients were uh, sort of moderate to far left, worked with a lot of uh, most of the black uh, colleges in the United States we've worked with, a lot of the art museums. And uh, what I love about, what I loved what I learned from Hank is just uh, how strategic he was around uh, fund development work and strategic direction. You know, his whole thing was, I'm not going to do the work for you. I'm going to show you how to do the work so you can do it for yourself. And he was um, extremely fluent, extremely edgy, uh, very productive. I just, uh, it's funny when I would go on calls with him as the young guy. And I remember one particular call, we had this sort of gray herringbone suit. Well, I didn't know he had the same gray herringbone suit, pants and suit, right? Like the same thing. <laughs> so I felt like I was like Pee Wee Herman with a big Pee Wee Herman. And, uh, and we both wore bow ties, you know, that was like, that was our look, we were bow tie guys, so. Uh, but, you know, Hank was just, at client meetings, he was at you. He told you what it was, and it's funny, as I now look at myself sort of uh, 20 years in the, into the future, which I am now, uh, I'm a lot like Hank. And actually, uh, I love people, I love these uh, organizations, but I will tell you what I think and I try to frame it in a way that you can hear it and accept it. Uh, I'm not going to try to solve all your problems because it would be impossible. I'm just going to try to solve two or three that are going to make the most difference. Because I always say to my the people I were clients, who are clients of mine or people I work with, you know, I have a thousand ideas and you can only do two of them. And because there's no point in me tell, having you do all kinds of stuff or asking you to do stuff that you can't do. So my thing is really try to understand what you, how much can you carry and how much can you do so you can actually begin to uh, optimize your, your organization and the good work you do.